0: Lord Jesus, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for a visitation of your Holy Spirit and your presence in our midst. We thank you for people who have gathered in a room to to gather with other followers of you. And we thank you that you honor us by honoring your word. When you said of two or three are gathered, you'll be in our midst. We thank you that when we gather, that it's not an empty time, and it's not just a club meeting, but, but that we're gathering unto your name and in your presence. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would uh, continue to allow your presence to minister to us as we look at your word, that you would reveal to us by the voice, the still small voice of your Holy Spirit. Open our eyes, open our ears that we could see and we could hear. I pray in the name of Jesus, and everyone said, amen. 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 Well, we have started last week a short series entitled Five Keys to Being a Kingdom Community. Um, as I often say, these are not the only five keys. It's just these are five keys. Uh, that we're looking at in Acts chapter 2. If you want to be turning to Acts chapter 2, we'll get there in a moment. Uh, Last week, we talked about Rescue the Perishing. That is on the podcast. If you want a CD, you can get that. Um, But we talked about that Jesus said, I came to seek and save those or that which is lost. came to seek and save those who are lost and our role in that. And so today we come to... Uh, The next step that we'll see in in the early church, and that is, I've entitled it, A Disciple, Be One, Make One. Be one, make one. Now, let me hasten to add that some of the material that I will cover today was included in a series a while back, and when I say a while back, a number of years ago, (laughs) called Where Are All the Disciple Makers? Uh, that is still available. If you want a copy, let Cheryl know in the church office is set. Um, also, the the, Jan- the February issue of "Colonels of Truth is entitled, Where Are the Disciples? Are you getting a theme? A disciple, be one, make one. And what we're going to do today is we're going to look at the early church after the conversion Of the three thousand people, we covered that last week, and in their uh, endeavor in discipling, Uh, the ultimate goal—I want you to see this—the ultimate goal of discipleship is to reproduce disciples with the gospel through developing disciple-making leaders. That's our mission, and that's the, the, the ultimate goal of making disciples is to create more disciple-makers. Let me just hasten to add, you know this, but I'm going to say it. You do not need to be a clergy to make disciples. You do not need paperwork. You do not need to be a minister or a pastor or any other official role in, quote-unquote, the ministry to make disciples. You need only to be a disciple. And the purpose of a true disciple is to carry out the will of Jesus Christ. That's it. That's our role. That's why we become disciples. And that's why God causes us to make more disciples. We've been looking last week and this week. We're looking looking at the early church. So if you haven't already turned to Acts chapter 2, if you would do so, we're going to begin reading at verse 42. And if you would stand with me while we read the scripture, if you can't stand, you're not going to bother me. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers and awe or fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles and all who believed were together and had all things in common. Some, some versions or some translations there will say those who should be saved. The early church, it says, and they devoted themselves. Have you ever heard somebody say, and they said, or they did, or they, and you always wonder, who is they? <laughs> or who is them? Who, who, who are people? Who is they? But they say, every, they is an expert. Because they all, they said, well, when I looked at this verse, the word they jumped out at me. They. Examine the they. Well, verse 41 says, and we read this last Sunday. Verse 41 says, uh, those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And then it's in the very next line, and they said, and they devoted, and they devoted the they. Someone last week, I wish I could remember who it was, it was a lady. One, and you're, you're here today. Said to me, and I, and I pointed out that there, we had 3,000 brand new converts all of a sudden. Boom. One time. Someone pointed out to me, rightfully so, that the 120 in the upper room wasn't that, wasn't that, had that much age on them in, in Christ themselves. They were relatively new believers themselves. So we have 120 people in the upper room who are cutting their teeth on, on all of this stuff. And then all of a sudden, they have 3,000 new converts dropped in their lap. What in the world are we going to do? And, and I, you know, I can't even imagine what, what's going on there. Um, but it says, they, and, and I think the they is every one of them, all of them, chapter 4 And when we get, if you get to chapter four in the book of Acts, you'll find out there's, there's another five thousand added. And it says five thousand men. So we're talking a lot more than just five thousand people. They. Well, it says they devoted themselves. They devoted themselves. And the word there devoted is just a simple word that means to give of oneself continually. It's not a one-time deal. It's not a, a one-day deal, but it's a continual giving of oneself. And they did this. They might not have even known what they were giving themselves to. I had a meeting with Don Basham 40-something years ago. Some of don't know who Don Basham is, but that's okay. And I said, Brother Don, one of the things I'm wondering about is, is why uh, why you guys, there's things that we don't hear about. From you guys, the teachers, and he said, "Have you ever noticed there's a lot of things that disciples didn't know about because Jesus never told them." I said, "It's a good point." What were they doing? They just devoted themselves. What did they give themselves to? What did they devote themselves to? Well, the apostles' teaching, and fellowship, and the breaking of bread, and prayers, and for the first time. I'm, I'm, I'm slow, but for the first time I see the, I've taught on these four things many times, some right here, but the first time I saw them as the context of, of discipleship that it was. So here they are, 120 relatively new believers, 3,000 brand new believers, and so what are we gonna do? We're gonna give ourselves To the apostles teaching we're going to start with the teaching of the scripture the teaching from our leaders the teaching from those who have been gifted to do so the apostles teaching the apostle prophet evangelist pastor teacher are given to equip everybody say equip Equip. the saints to do the work of the ministry. Equip the saints. So let's give ourselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayers. Now, we're going to cover some of those, uh, the fellowship, we're going to cover it two weeks from today. But I want to point out the difference. I want to make a distinction between just fellowship and breaking of bread. Because when I grew up, uh, fellowship was just a cup of punch in the back room back there. We call it the fellowship hall. If we went back there and had some punching cake, we had fellowship. Well, we may or may not have had fellowship. And we'll see that in two weeks. There's more to fellowship than just getting together. Getting together is good, and you really can't have fellowship unless you get together. But just because you got together didn't mean you had fellowship. Okay, since I've confused you thoroughly. But there also is an element of breaking bread, and we'll see that again. As, well, you see it down in, in later in this reading, in this in this text. There is an element of breaking of bread, which is distinct from fellowship. There is a meal. There is a meal together. There is time together. We'll see later on in this teaching that their time together is a valuable thing. And of course, prayers. They gave themselves. To prayers, you can't have discipleship without prayers. You can't have discipleship without the apostles' teaching. You can't have discipleship without fellowship, and you can't have discipleship without the breaking of bread in some context. And they devoted themselves to this. And so, we want to look at B one, make one B one. By the way, um, I already know that if, for those of you who brought a cuckoo clock in here with you. I already know I'm going to go past our usual time of quitting, so if you got a cuckoo clock, please turn it off. I got one on up here, but I'm going to turn it off before it gets done. To make a disciple, one must first be a disciple. Let's read that together. To make disciples, one must first be a disciple. You you, you know you can't just decide you're going to make disciples if you hadn't. Become one yourself. But the question then becomes, what kind of disciples will one make? Uh, the word disciple is not limited to Christianity. It's not li- limited to evangelistic Christianity. The word disciple is a word that some people, I think, reduce it too far down. And they call it a learner. But I want to call attention to the fact that we get our word discipline from the word disciple. There's more to it. And this is, this is, we'll see in a little while, this is where the dividing line comes and you lose people. When you start asking things, what kind of a disciple will one make? You'll make the kind that you are. You may think you can make a disciple and they look like Jesus Christ, but the fact is, They're going to look like you. And somebody said, well, that does it. No disciple making for me. I'm out. And Jesus was talking to the Pharisees and scribes one day, and he said to them, for you cross land and sea to make one convert. And then you turn that person into twice the child of hell you yourselves are. We want to avoid that kind of discipleship. (laughs) We don't want that to happen. We want to make them disciples of Jesus Christ. Now, Paul said, one place, Paul said, or wrote, imitate me, be imitators of me. And then another place he wrote, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So let me tell you, right up front, again, you know this, but I'm gonna tell you anyway, to make a disciple doesn't mean you become their boss. Doesn't mean that you find someone that you can quote unquote exercise authority over. Paul said, Paul didn't say you do what I tell you, he said you do what I do. Imitate me. Jesus never pushed his disciples; he led his disciples. Any good leader understands that you lead. You don't push. You don't drive. You don't demand. I said to my wife the other day, I, said, I, I, I don't know what we were talking about. I said, "I, I said I don't want to make you do this," and I said, "Shoot, I can't make you do anything." <laughs> Guys, if you think you can, then you're just fooling yourselves. (laughs) Making a disciple starts with being a servant. You're in the book of Acts. Just turn back to chapter 6 of the book of John. I want to show you a really interesting and odd passage, which I cannot spend as much time on it as I would like, but I want you to see it. Someone asked me one day, "said Why do you always want us to look at the Bible verses?" Well, they're there, <laughs> and I think something happens when I read the Scripture with my own dilated pupils. I think something happens that processes in my brain and in my spirit. It's good when I hear other people read the scripture. But, boy, there's nothing like opening it up myself. And I know I'm still old school. I got a book up here. It's got leather and papers and and all. And if it makes you feel any better, when I go to my Tuesday morning Bible study on the music row, I bring this. (laughs) That's my Bible. But, anyway, I digress. Verse 6, chapter sixty. Of chapter uh, Verse 60 of chapter 6, when many of his disciples, now in, you don't have to do this, but in your mind put parentheses, or I'm sorry, quotation marks around his disciples, okay? When many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying, who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling, again quotation marks, about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. There are some of you who do not believe. Now, wait a minute. It said his disciples. Man, that's confusing. His disciples, but he said, some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it it was who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by my father. And after this, many of, quotation marks, his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Now let's dismiss and go home. (laughs) What in the world is going on here? (laughs) Remembering that the word disciple... It's not a Jesus term. It's not a Christian term. It's just a term for someone who's decided to follow someone and learn from them and, you know, be trained by them. It doesn't always mean that their heart's been changed. They said this is hard to understand or hard to, and the truth is it wasn't hard to understand. It was just hard to accept. He had just told them now, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you have no part in me. Well, they went crazy. Well, he tells them in verse 63, he said, I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. He said, the words that I'm speaking to you, they're spirit and life. I'm not talking about you actually eating my flesh. I mean, he still had some use for it for a little while longer. I'm not talking about you drinking my blood. I'm, I'm going to keep it. He said, I'm talking to you about the spirit. But because they saw a demand, because they saw a narrow path, many of his, quote, unquote, disciples no longer walked with him. The truth is, they had come to get something from him. And when they thought they could not get something from him, they departed now, I'm not going to spend much time here, but I want to tell you we need to be careful in 2020, in 2020, church them that we don't come to Him just to get something from Him. Now I'm going to tell you, when you come in God's presence, you will get something. He says, if you'll come to my throne, you'll get the grace and the mercy you need. But if we only come just to get, We're missing something. William Barclay, who I disagree with often, but this time I don't. He said to this day, many a man refuses Christ, not because he puzzles intellect, but because he challenges his life. These disciples, quote unquote, who did not believe, were challenged by Jesus and I want to tell you today that if you want to be a disciple unto Jesus Christ, your life will be challenged. And you must accept the challenge. Ooh, I would have thought we'd have had more amens on that, but we'll move on. So if we're going to be the disciple of Jesus without quotations. I said, that's what I should have titled this. A disciple without quotations. If we want to be a disciple of our Lord, we need to see what is his criteria for being a disciple. What does he think about it? I'd like his opinion, wouldn't you? Well, the first thing he tells us is that there ought to be a little bit of resemblance. Look what Luke 640 says. A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained, read read the, the underlined part with me will be like his teacher. How, how easy is that? If you're going to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus and his character, then you ought to be like him. We used to sing an old song back in the day before we had real songs. To be like Jesus. To be like Jesus. All I ask is to be like him. Well, little did we know what we were singing. You know what it, what it costs to get to look like Jesus? He said, you have to suffer with me. We don't like that. Well, it doesn't matter what we like. Romans 8 29 says, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. You may not like predestination, but you got it, saints. Cause you have been predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn of many, among many brothers. So the first criteria, Jesus said, if you're going to follow after me, you're going to be my disciple at some point and to a varying and increasing degree, incrementally increasing degree, you will resemble me. You will resemble your teacher. Then he says, there's another criteria and that is uncompromised commitment. Uncompromised commitment. <laughs> you heard the story about the the chicken and the pig? The chicken and the pig were having a conversation one day and the, the 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 chicken said to the pig, "Man, we ought to get together and make a really good breakfast for our master, for our owner." Eggs and ham. <laughs> and naturally, the pig said, "Yeah, but the problem is for you, that's just a donation." <laughs> It's a full commitment. From you know, of course, there is the story about the three-legged pig. Lord help me, don't lose the anointing. And that's the guy went to a guy's house and he had a three-legged pig and he said, "Man, what's what's this with this three-legged pig?" And he, this had nothing to do with my message. He said, "Well, now I let me. Mean, that's a great pig right there. Let me tell you about that pig." He said. One time, our house caught on fire, and everybody was about to drown, and that pig ran in the house and pulled everybody out and saved our lives. Uh, He said, well, that's a great story, but what's that got to do with the three-legged pig? He said, well, let me tell you about that pig. That's a great pig. (laughs) One time, one of our kids uh, fell into the pond out there, and that pig went out there and got our child and drug him out of the water and saved his life. And he said, well, that's a great story, too, but that still doesn't explain why you have a three-legged pig. He said, well, a pig that great, you wouldn't want to eat him all at once, would you? (sighs) I hope to God you hear something else I said today. (laughs) The ultimate commitment. Uncompromising commitment. Jesus said, again, Jesus said some stuff that make you scratch your head. He said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, that pretty well sums it up. He cannot be my disciple. Okay, Jesus. My goodness. Now you're talking about disciples who don't believe, and now you want me to hate my family. I am really confused. I'm scratching my head. What's up with that? Well, we have to understand that in, in the Hebrew culture and world, where he said hate, it's a Semitic expression that does not mean hate the way we think it means hate. It's a Semitic expression that simply means loving less. It's a relational term. He's not saying to us I want you to hate your mom and daddy he's saying to us that your love compared to me should be less. you okay with that? All right. Forget about the pigs. Think about this. (laughs) I underline the part cannot be my disciple. And I told you this a few weeks ago. I want to tell it to you again. Jesus is not saying, if you don't hate your own father, I'm not going to let you be my disciple. And that's not what he's saying. He's not saying, I got the hammer ready for you. What he's saying is, you won't be able. If you can't make this kind of a commitment... You won't be able to be my disciple. It's that kind of cannot, not, I'm not going to let you. Hmm. He says, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me again, you will not be able to be my disciple. We don't preach the cross nearly uh, enough today in the modern church. We avoid the cross because it's challenging. It's convicting. Jesus didn't avoid it. Embracing God's will regardless of the cost, that's what taking up our cross means. That's what bearing our cross means. Taking up our cross is not a pathological self-abasement or developing a martyr complex. Augustus Toplady, when he wrote Rock of Ages, wrote this line, Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to the cross I cling. It's about sacrificing our lives. Here's what it's about. I think I have a slide for this. Letting go of self-determination and replacing it with obedience to and dependence upon Jesus, the Messiah. That's taking up your cross. The cross... Is where I go to die. But the scripture says. That if I go to the cross and die. That I'm raised. Romans 6. I'm raised in newness. Everybody say newness. Yes. Of life. So we always forget. Or maybe we, often, we forget that when we go to the cross. There's resurrection in our future. And he says in verse 33. About renounce and relinquish. Again being this uncompromising commitment therefore any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple will not be able to be my disciple so Jesus wants us to live in poverty he wants us to not have anything now you know that's not true you know the story y'all probably need a new pastor you've heard everything I've got to say (laughs) The rich young ruler walked away because he couldn't, his, his possessions owned him. You've heard me say that Jesus was not interested necessarily in the rich young ruler not having possessions and money, but he was interested in money and possessions not having the rich young ruler. And he's saying to us, if you can't, if you can't be free from Materialism, if you're, if you're encumbered by stuff, you will not be able to be my disciple. You okay with that? Well, I'm not okay with it, but it's the truth. He also said criteria for being his disciple is abiding in his word. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. I, I, I mean, I was raised in the Redneck Riviera, Panama City, Florida. Somebody said, why in the world would you move away from there? Why in the world would anybody stay there? <laughs> I do not have a Ph.D. or a master's degree. Sometimes I have a degree, but it's called temperature. And as Rafe Hollister said, it's, it's dang hot when I have a temperature. Who in the world is Rafe Hollister? He owned the three-legged pig.. <laughs> <laughs> but I can figure this out. I don 't need hermeneutics. I don 't need herman anybody. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Okay, so one of the criteria, if I'm going to be a disciple, is that I abide in His word. If Jesus said something and something got recorded by the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, I think it's important that I read it or hear it or something. Be exposed to His word. He said, "You got to abide." He said, "If anyone loves me, he will keep my word." Again, I don't need to, you don't need an interpreter for that. And my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Again, back to William Barclay, who I rarely agree with. Christianity is not a philosophy which we accept, nor a theory to which we give allegiance. It is a personal response to Jesus Christ. If you abide in his word, you will find yourself abiding in him. You cannot, we, we covered this when we did the series on the Ten Commandments. Um, I forget the title, something about Decalogue. We covered the idea that you cannot separate the word from the person. Hmm. He said, if you're going to be my disciples, whoa, we, we, i got to hurry up. If you're going to be my disciples, you must have agape for one another. By this will people know you that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. It's very simple. If we have agape for one another and treat one another like people who have agape, the world will know that we're his disciples. Simple formula. And then he said, You gotta make disciples. If you're going to be a disciple, you've got to make disciples. He said, My Father's glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Fruitful. Be fruitful. And of course Matthew twenty eight, go therefore and Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So if we're going to be one, if we're going to be a disciple, we got to watch the criteria and see where we are. Then he's, then we talk about Jesus method of making disciples. Well, it's really easy. First of all, identification. Who are you going to disciple? Note that Jesus did not choose everyone he met to be one of his disciples. You say, well, he chose the good people. Have you noticed who he chose? I mean, besides one who betrayed him and stole money out of the till, I mean, he's got, he's got Peter who after three years with Jesus could still cuss like a fisherman and slice the guy's ear off because he missed. He still got James and John who were begging to sit at his right hand and they're so, they're so weak they sent their mama to ask. I mean, I could go down the list. You got Nathaniel who said, Is there anything good coming out of Nazareth about Jesus? So don't think he just chose them because of their credentials. But he didn't choose everybody. And rather than focusing on the multitudes, he just chose 12 people. And he knew one of them. I believe by the word of knowledge, he already knew one of those guys was going to betray him. And he still chose him. That means that you're not expected to evangelize and disciple every person that you meet. So you need to identify. How do you identify? Well, it's already been said by the Holy Spirit. By the Holy Spirit, you you identify. Who is it? And by the way, did you notice my title, Be One, Make One? One? (laughs) We're, We're not saying that you and I should go out and make dozens of disciples. Just make one. Just find one person that you can give yourself to and make a disciple. Now, if you make two, that's fine. But just be one, make one. The other thing, Jesus, uh, his, his method was involvement or association with him. I often like to quote my pastor, and I'm going to do it again. Discipleship is not a matter of passing information from one mind to another. That is education. Education is good, but there's a vast difference. You've heard me say, don't... Sometimes we have reduced discipleship to a Bible study or to a program that someone has developed. My wife and I, poor my wife, she gets to listen to a lot of stuff every morning, listen to Rick and Bubba. And it's not my opinion, but it ought to be yours. I love these guys. They're. They're not on Christian stations. That's one of the things I love about them. You say, well, anyway. But they're bona fide gospel-preaching Christian men who do not back off from sharing the gospel on all of these, quote, unquote, secular radio stations all over the country and on the Internet. And Rick Burgess has a great ministry to men and men's ministries. He wrote a great book called How to Be a Man. Again, that's a really deep title, I know, but, uh, and I hope Rick doesn't hear this podcast. But he's starting a ministry called howtobeaman.com, and I appreciate his effort. But he's mistaken discipleship for a website. You use this website, you you go to this website, you can make a disciple. I understand the effort, and it's valuable material. I'm going to go to it and look at it, but that's not what discipling is. That's just another program. Maybe I ought to go back to the pig. (laughs) Here's the key. Jesus was involved in the lives of the disciples. He was involved. Everybody say involved. involved. We don't like to be involved. His training method was not a program, was not just a Bible study, although studying the Bible is good, but that in and of itself won't make disciples. His training method was spending time with his disciples. The disciple, real discipling happens in the natural flow of life. Watch what Jesus did with his disciples. Again, go back to Brother Charles. Uh, Brother Charles, years ago, years ago, he and some guys went together and bought a, a boat. When I say a boat, it wasn't a pontoon boat. It was a big boat. And they were out on Mobile Bay one day, just on Saturday, having a good time, enjoying one another's company. Uh, laughing and carrying on, and I don't remember how many guys were on the boat, but you know they were just sitting around sharing. And Brother Charles said to the guys, again, this is a Saturday. He said to the guys on the boat, he said, "What is more like what Jesus did with his disciples? What we're doing today, or what we're going to do tomorrow?" Now he wasn't denigrating tomorrow because that he was going to be in the pulpit. But what is more like Jesus did? You know what the answer is. Real discipling takes place in the natural flow of life. Jesus said, and and he said to them, come aside. Some of you need to take this verse to heart. Come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time or leisure to eat. Sometimes we get so involved in doing our religious activities that we can't stop long enough. We feel guilty if we pull aside. My wife and I went over last week to Fairfield Glade. As soon as we left here on Sunday, we went over there. You know what we did? Nothing. Just a whole bunch of nothing. Now, normally she doesn't like that. She's wired different than me. She wasn't feeling well, so she got on my train. <laughs> I don't know if that means I never feel well or what, but come aside and rest, natural. He said, Jesus said, let's come over here in a deserted place and enjoy some time together and rest. Another thing is impartation in demonstration. Discipleship is not a matter of learning activities and skills so much as learning how to live. How to live. It's just a way of living. Watch this verse. Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples. And then we've already said this, but Jesus' method was to reproduce. Reproduce he when he left John 17 he prayed he said repeatedly and referred to repeatedly that I'm going away but I'm leaving them behind I'm leaving but they're not I'm going back but they're staying here sanctify them with your word what was he talking about he was leaving them behind to do the mission he was he was going to reproduce himself in these men which we've already read immediately went to 3000 then went to another 5000 The process of making disciples isn't complete until we have made disciples who are in turn making disciples. Are you trying to put something on me? Not that Jesus hadn't already done. Go and make disciples of all nations. And then Paul, we're going to close. You you thought we were really going to be here to one. Then Paul Writes this in 2 Timothy 2.2. We've dealt with it before. What you have heard from me. Everybody say me. me. In the presence of many witnesses. In trust to faithful men. Who will be able to teach. Four generations. Right there in that one verse. By the way faithful men is can be non-gender specific there. You've heard from me. Trust it to faithful people who will be able to teach others also. So you got Paul, you got Timothy, you got faithful people and others also. Four generations right there in one verse. It should be, it should perpetuate itself in the making of disciples. It's not for us to feel guilty. It's not for us to, uh, well it is for us to be convicted. We're, we're just simply saying Be one, make one. Ask God, first of all, how do you line up in Jesus' criteria for being a disciple? Where do you, where do you, where are you? And then where you're deficient, ask Him to help you move towards the finish line. And then ask God, who is it that He would put in your life that you could help? I mean, you don't have to be a theologian. As a matter of fact, it's probably better if you're not. Those hundred and twenty in that upper room, I mean, they just got there. I mean, I talked last week about Matthias. Matthias is going. Wait a minute. What did I get? What did y'all vote me into? I mean, Matthias just got there. Now we know he was following Jesus before, but he wasn't a part of. And they went, well, okay. Though those people were relatively new, they could not be theologians necessarily. They could not be those well-versed in, in homiletics and hermeneutics. Could not. And yet they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and then to the fellowship and then to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And in so doing, they were able to bring these 3,000 people, including themselves, into a place of being disciples. I'm telling you the weakest, most unlearned person in this room concerning the scriptures can and should make a disciple. I'm not denigrating study. I'm not saying that that you shouldn't study the scripture and become uh, and understand what the scriptures are teaching. I'm saying that you don't need that to make a disciple. It helps. Study the scripture, please. But don't use that as a requirement because people all the time, well, I don't even know the the Bible. You know, or or one time we asked a kid to pray pray over something. I don't remember where we were. And I said, won't you pray? And he said, well, I don't know any. I said, you don't know any what? He said, I don't know any prayers. Well, you know, you you pray by letter. Y'all know that? You pray by letter. You open your mouth and you let her fly. (laughs) You don't have to know any. <laughs> and I, I hear people and y'all do too. Well, I don't. Even, I don't know the Bible very well. Well, then tell people what you do know. Tell people what you do know. I was blind, but now I'm not. I was lost, but now I'm, fa- I'm found. Where were you? Well, you're not there anymore. Get to where. The, I mean. It's, it's, a, it's a simple thing. Don't complicate it, is what I'm trying to say. Don't complicate it or over-spiritualize making disciples. You can do it, said the Cajun on the water boy. <laughs> Stand with me. Or Jesus, we look in the scriptures and we see uh, what your criteria is for being one of your disciples without quotation marks. We pray that each one of us would recognize that standard, that place. And that each one of us, by the power and anointing of your Holy Spirit, would be able to allow you to bring us to that place. That we would look like you. That we would abide in your word. And that we would have an uncompromising commitment to you, Lord Jesus. And we would love one another so that those outside of us would know that we're your disciples. We would bear fruit. We would make disciples. Lord, we, we look at your method. We pray that we could emulate your method that you dealt with your disciples, your twelve disciples. We would like to emulate you. Help us, Lord Jesus, to see that clearer. And then more than anything else, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice that you would bring one person into their lives that they could give of themselves to, that then, that they would not lord it over someone Or be someone's boss. Or be more spiritual than someone. But that each one of us would have someone. We could give of ourselves to them. So that they could become your disciple without quotations. And that they could make disciples. And that that process could continue on. Once again I echo your prayer today Lord Jesus. That your kingdom would come and that your will would be done on earth like it is in heaven and that you would use us as your vessels and vehicles to see that that takes place. I pray for each one here today. I pray a blessing upon each one. I pray healing upon each one who needs it. I pray wisdom. I pray knowledge, Lord Jesus, provision in this place and all those under my voice. Pour out your spirit upon each one. Lord Jesus, I thank you. And I pray in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.